This evening, our Old Testament reading comes to us from the 44th chapter of the prophet Isaiah. A main struggle of the people of Israel in the time of Isaiah was that they followed after other gods. And uh, while they did that, they put their hope and their trust in these other gods and made sacrifices to them. And in this portion of Isaiah, the Lord speaks through Isaiah and tells them that there is no other place to turn to. There is no other God but Him. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first, and I am the last. Besides me there is no God. Who is like me? Let Him proclaim it. Let Him declare and set it before me. Since I appointed an ancient people, let them, to, let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our epistle reading comes to us from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8. As we have been hearing from Romans for uh, about the last eight or nine Sundays, uh, we also hear St. Paul is addressing the Romans and talking to them about their sufferings. And that even though we suffer here and now, we look forward with hope to an eternity of joy with our Lord. St. Paul writes, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willing, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please rise as we hear from the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus tells another parable, a parable of the weeds. And we see how this is a description of the world we see around us. That it's not always our understanding of who is saved and who is not. And so we live, and, and, and we live with the assurance that our Lord has saved us. Jesus put another parable before them, saying, 
The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first, and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed is the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm sure it's a familiar account to you. An account of the beginning of time as God created the heavens and the earth. And of course, he also created man and woman. He placed them in the Garden of Eden. And in the midst of this garden was a lot of different trees for them to eat and to nourish their bodies. But God pointed to one particular tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and said, do not eat. But of course, we know how Genesis chapter 3 goes. Adam and Eve, the first two people, disobey God and eat of the tree they are not to. And that's when it's revealed there is another tree in the garden, the tree of life. And what does God do to Adam and Eve after they've eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? He removes them from the garden. He expels them. And places an angel with a flaming sword to keep them out. Lest they go in and eat from the tree of life. So often we see this as a grand and awful punishment. That they have been banished from their place of nourishment. That they've been removed from this promised land that God has made for them. But consider for a moment that perhaps God's expelling them from the garden was not an act of punishment, but an act of mercy. Because when Adam and Eve first ate of that fruit, they brought something into the world that it was not meant to experience. 
They brought sin. They brought brokenness. They brought despair, sickness, evil, betrayal. All of these things entered this world because of their disobedience against God. And why did God not want them eating from the tree of life? Because he wanted to make sure they didn't live out a perpetual, eternal, broken world. God did not want his creation to be like this forever. I want to reread a section from Romans that we read tonight. It says from St. Paul, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay, and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Paul speaks of the futility, the sufferings of our present time, the bondage to decay, this reality that actually is extremely easy for us to focus on. It's easy to focus on because it's right in front of us. Everywhere we look, we see the proof of a broken world. We live in pain. We live in sickness. We live in the midst of dying. We see violence. We see greed. We see selfishness. We see despair sometimes within our own selves. We don't even need to be proved that it is a broken world. And even further, it's placed in front of us constantly, isn't it? All of the media companies, whether they are electronic or print or internet or television or radio, they've learned that our eyes and our ears are drawn to despair. We're drawn to conflict. And to get better viewers, to get more clicks, the more violent, the more despairing, the more awful the better. And so we become immersed in our present age of cynicism, of hatred, anger, greed, focusing on the sufferings of the present time. And it seems to be all we can do is suffer. But I want to read this again. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. 
Paul says it's not even worth mentioning these things because how bad they are is not even close to how good the hope of eternity is. The futility of our existence that can sometimes lead us to despair, sometimes lead us to giving up, sometimes lead us down a dark path, it's not even close to how wonderful and great the promises of our God are. Let me remind you for a moment that this is Paul's letter to the Romans. These are Christians living in Rome in the first century. They were surrounded by pagan practices. They were surrounded by by, uh, various kinds of sacrifices and, and other debauchery. They had an emperor in Rome that considered himself to be God. And if you did not answer that in the affirmative, your life was forfeit. Their religion had no rights in that world. They could even be executed for their faith. And Paul says, hey, it's not even worth talking about that stuff. Why? Because Paul points us towards the reality of hope. For in this hope we were saved, that we are adopted as the children of God, the redemption of our bodies. That the decay, the brokenness, the trouble, the death that we see are temporary afflictions. Yes, they seem like all it is that is surrounding us is the the ins and outs and the drudgery of our lives. And and what are we headed for? Are we headed towards failure? But they're temporary. And how bad they are is nothing compared to how great the hope of redemption, of restoration is in our God. The redemption of our bodies, as Paul points out. Not that we are waiting for some ethereal, airy heaven where we sit on clouds and play harps. We're talking about the reality that we see when Christ dies on the cross for you and me and then returns from the grave physical and whole and well and perfect. That is the redemption waiting for you. That is the redemption waiting for me. That is the resurrection of the body. And so when God barred Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden so long ago, he did it so they could have hope. Hope that the mistake that they had made would not condemn creation forever. And God points you to the cross in that same way so that you have the hope of knowing your mistakes will not condemn you forever. Your failings will not be your identity forever. The drudgery and the difficulty and the sadness and the despair of this current life is not going to be with us forever because we have a Christ who has offered himself to you as a sacrifice to pay for all of our mistakes, all of our sins, all of our disobediences, all the way back to that first bite of the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Christ paid for my sins, your sins, their sins. He rose from the dead to give us a glimpse that we do have a hope. 
We have a hope of eternity. We have a hope of everlasting life. The joys of life eternal won for us by Christ are so much greater than the sadness and the difficulty, the sufferings of the present time, the bondage to decay, the futility of the creation groaning in pain. We look forward. We look forward in hope. Not in the sense of, I hope this happens, the hope that is assured because Christ has made it real. Christ who has died for you, Christ who has risen for you, has then said, this gift belongs to you because you are adopted through your baptisms into the family of God and you are fed on the very body and blood of Jesus Christ here at the sacrament of the altar and you receive the word of God that enriches your hearts and uplifts you every day in the midst of the present sufferings of this time. Allow that hope the hope of Christ's resurrection, the hope of our resurrection, remind you that this is nothing to even compare to the wonder and joy and hope that we have in Christ. Amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. Please rise.